right, I'm on. I get to do double duty today. So Bill's gone. He's on vacation. Chris is taking the kids to camp, and Dan's over there. He's preaching next week. Um, I don't know what he's talking about yet, though. Don't know that. So, but you guys doing good today? Amen. Uh, you know, I love that last song. I love them all, but that last song, just singing out Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, you know. I imagine one day when we're in heaven, we'll just be singing that out. You know, the angels cry it out, and we'll just be singing out Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest because of how marvelous God is and who he is. It's just an honor that we get to sing that together and do that. So, thanks, Janelle. Alrighty. Um, my name is Nate. If you guys don't know me, most of you guys do. Um, I'm the worship arts pastor here on staff. Go figure. Huh? I play music. <laughs> Go figure. <laughs> but um, today I want to talk to you about, uh, I put in the bulletin in his presence. And after going over my notes, and I don't speak a whole lot. Um, I think this is, I think I did like two years ago. Um, when we did like a week at, weekend at the movies or series, something like that. Um, so I haven't spoken in a long time. And uh, so if I'm a little rough, just give me a little grace. <laughs> Might be a little, little rough on the edges. Um, but um, it's an honor to be able to do this and to speak and to hopefully convey what God's laid in my heart, something that I've been going over in my own mind and in my own study time with God. And I'm going to talk to you about Jacob in the Bible today. But first, I want to ask you a couple questions. Do you remember a time in your life, maybe it was a a moment, a great moment. Maybe it was a touchdown. Maybe it was the lead role in a play. Maybe it was a, a job that you wanted and it was offered to you or you had applied for and accepted it. Maybe it was the birth of your son or your daughter. Do you guys remember one of those moments? It was altering. It was life-altering. It changed the course of your life. It, it made life either with new freshness or it also may have been an illness or a sickness or a death in the family. But it changed your perspective in life. Have you guys had one of those moments? Can we all think in our mind a moment that we've had there? Well, I want to begin... Um, talking about a moment that happened to me uh, when I was 18 years old. Now, Wednesday, I celebrate my 35th birthday. I'll be 35. According to American, you know, statistics, 72, the lifespan of a male. I'm getting close to halfway there, you know. (laughs) Sorry, Mike. (laughs) But, uh. But when I was 18, I remember I, 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 went to, I started kindergarten when I was six, so I was a senior and I was 18 years old, and I was one of the older kids in my class. I graduated midterm. I wanted to get out of high school, but I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do after high school, other than the fact I knew that I wanted to work in a church. I wanted to be in ministry. At that time, I had, had an awesome youth pastor named Dave Mudd, and he's still a dear mentor and a friend to me, and I, I thought I was going to be a youth pastor. You know, it was always good for the youth pastors to make sure that he had a bunch of followers that were going to be youth pastors. You know, that was that was the goal. I'm sure that's Chris's goal to get some some youth pastors out of the youth group, too. You know, it's always their goal. And they do great because they're such an inspiration to us at that age. You know, if you had a youth pastor growing up, 
or maybe a mentor or a coach. They're so inspiring to us. And um, but I remember the, the church I grew up, I grew up going to Faith Christian Center right on Route 24. And um, I remember we had back in those days, I don't know, you guys remember, we had Wednesday night services. We had Sunday morning services. We had Sunday night services. We always had special guests coming in and talking. So we were at church a lot. Now at our church on Sunday nights, especially, we would be there sometimes for three, four hours. We would we would sit and sing songs for two or three hours, and we'd come down to the front of the sanctuary, uh, down here to the front of the stage, what we call the altar, and we would seek God, and we'd be prayed for, and people would pray over us. And this particular night, I was struggling between whether to go to college or we had this missions opportunity called ACE Teams, stood for Active Christian Evangelism. And I remember coming to church, I've been wrestling this, and everybody's go saying, I'm going to college, and I want to be an accountant, and I'm going to be an architect, and why would you ever want to be an accountant? No offense. But, <laughs> but, but I felt all this pressure that I need to make this decision. I needed to go and be something, choose some path, go somewhere. I need to be something other than the fact that I knew that God had called me to ministry. Well, that night, a guy named Warwick Shenton um, wanted Pastor John King. He's a pastor at Riverside. He was a pastor at Faith Christian Center then. He was, was one of his friends that had come, over, had come over from England, and he was speaking that night. Now, I grew up in a, in a denomination where sometimes people would come in as guest speakers, and God would lay things on their heart, and they would just, like, point at you and say, hey, I want you to stand up because God told me something about you. Now, is that a little weird to some of you guys? That'd be a little weird. That was pretty common in my upbringing. It was pretty common for that to happen. But Warwick was doing that all night as he, as he started his message. He was calling people out, telling them, and some of the people I knew, and you're like, man, God just gave them their mail and was just reading their mail right to them. It was connecting with them. And the last person they called up was me. I was sitting in the front row all by myself. And I only had this happen to me one other time when I was 12. And uh, he'd call me. He'd, he'd ask me to stand up. And I wrote out what he said because I wanted to get it right. But he said this. And this is exactly where I was at this moment. Remember, I'm trying to decide where I'm going. College, ACE teams, am I going to ministry? I'm thinking all these things in my mind. What do you want me to do, God? And here's what he says. When I first saw you... It startled me. He said this about me. He said, I saw me and you. But here's what I felt God say to me. You feel like God has put you in the slow track and everyone else in the fast track. But God has just taken you on an unorthodox path to get you where he wants you to be. He proceeded from that point to have the church stretch out their hands and they prayed over me. And it connected. At first, I didn't quite understand it. And I tell you what, it took me a little while, but I knew at that moment I was supposed to go on these teams. It just clicked, and I knew that I was going to take an unorthodox path to, that God was going to lead me on to get me to where he wanted me to be. Now, that was when I was 18. I still remember those words so vividly today. It was a moment that I remember. I asked you to remember those moments of those times that they've just impacted your life. And I have held on to that, that word that he had given me so tightly and I can look back over my life, and I can tell you where it's led me. I'll get to that a little later. But 
what I want to take a look at first is Jacob. But here's just a side note. I want to, I want to give everybody my phone number, okay? I want you guys, I'm going to give you permission to use your phones in church today, okay? I'm going to ask you a few questions a little later on, and I want you to text me your answer. Now, this is going to be simple answers. Don't text me what you're going to have for lunch. Don't text me, hey, you look nice, or maybe I don't look nice, or flies down, you know. Please do text me that if that is true. <laughs> Let's check real fast. But, but I want you to, to answer some questions using your phone, just to text me. I have an unlimited data plan, so I'm covered. If I have any problems with Sprint, I'll, I'll let you know. Um, but I'm going to ask you some questions a little later. So my phone number is right there. You can go ahead and put it in your phone. Please be kind. <laughs> All right. But I want to look at um, Jacob in, in the Bible. And first we're going to start in Genesis chapter 25, uh, verses 19 through 26. And I, I want to give you just a quick history of Jacob if you don't know who Jacob is. Okay. So first we have Abraham, who God chosen to be the father of the Israelites. He had a son named Isaac. You guys might remember that God asked Abraham to take Isaac up on the mountain and to sacrifice him. But, of course, that didn't happen. God provided a goat. He was just testing Abraham. And then Isaac had his sons, two sons, Jacob and Esau. So let's go to verse 20, uh, chapter 25. Verse 19, my Bible just closed on me. Okay. We're going to read just the story here of Jacob and Esau. This is the account of Abraham's son, Isaac. Abraham became the father of Isaac, and Isaac was 40 years old when he married Rebekah, daughter of Bethuel the Aramean from Paddan Aram, and sister of Laban the Aramean. Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was barren. The Lord answered his prayer, and his wife, Rebekah, became pregnant. The babies jostled each other within her, and she said, Why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord. The Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. When the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. The first to come out was red. And his whole body was like a hairy garment. Sounds like an ugly baby. No offense. <laughs> and so they named him Esau. After this, his brother came out and his hand grasping Esau's heel. So he was named Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when Rebecca gave birth to them. I think I can say that because I had two kids of my own. Right? You watch that birth and they're like so precious to you, even if they're ugly, right? Yeah. <laughs> they're so precious to you. So, so we see here, even in the womb, we see Jacob and Esau. There's a struggle. There's a fight. There's a war between them in the womb before they're even born. And then, and then they're born, and Jacob's like, man, I wanted to be first. How dare you? How dare you? You know, and he's, he's clutching his heel of his brother. And then, and then we see in, in Genesis chapter 25, a little bit later, about 10 verses later, as Jacob and Esau have grown up and gotten a little older, time goes a little fast in some of those scriptures there, we see that Jacob, Esau was coming in from hunting. Esau was loved by his father because he was a hunter, and, and uh, Isaac probably enjoyed those things. He loved the food his son was able to make for him as he hunted. So he was kind of the favorite, and Jacob was the mother's favorite. And 
one day Esau comes running in and he's like, I'm hungry, brother. Give me some food. I'm hungry. Give me some food. And Jacob's like, well, why don't you give me a birthright? And Esau's like, okay, no problem. A birthright was a big deal in those days. No, but Esau was so hungry. He let that moment, that moment of hunger to give up his birthright. And I remember this is just a quick history of Jacob and Esau. From there on, we move over to Genesis chapter 27. And then we see Jacob and his mother tricking Isaac to also give Jacob Esau's blessing. Now, how many guys have bought a house? A lot, of course. A lot of us have bought a house. How many papers do you have to sign to buy a house? Right? You go through, it's a whole hour process, right? Sign right here, sign right here, sign right here. You get a little tired of that. Just over and over again. Well, back in... Back in Bible days, they didn't have a bunch of legal attorneys and realtors and all those things. They, they made agreements together. The father would bless the son and say, here is your blessing. Here's what is going to be given to you. And Esau was going to bless, or Isaac was going to bless Esau with his, his belongings, all of Isaac's belongings. God's going to bless you and all these things. Well, Jacob wanted that. Rebecca wanted that for Jacob. And so we see in, in Genesis chapter 27, the verses 1 through 40, we're not going to read all that, but you can read that and see how they trick Isaac into thinking Jacob is Esau and giving him that blessing. And then after Esau finds out that not only has his brother taken his birthright, but he's also taken his blessing, he decides to get a little angry at his little brother and say, I'm going to. I'm going to kill him. You know, would you be a little mad at your brother? You know, I know there's been a few times I was mad at my brothers. Woo. <laughs> and they've been mad at me, too. My brother, my little brother, Josh, my, he's the middle one. I love him dearly. He's, he's, you know, he's the middle child between me and Aaron. And every time he got mad, I, had, I could not stop laughing. And only made him, it only made him matter, you know, because it's just that brotherly love. Just that brotherly love. So... <laughs> God bless his heart. So, but um, but Esau is angry and he's he's going to kill his brother. And so Rebecca warns Jacob, and Jacob goes to his father. His father blesses him again, tells him to go and find um, a wife. And Jacob does that, and that gets us to where I want to focus most of our attention about the dream that Jacob had in verses in chapter twenty-eight, verses ten through twenty-two. Give you a minute to turn there. Genesis 28, um, uh, verses 10 through 22. Now, you guys may have heard this this story before. You know, I was telling the worship team before we have a little meeting beforehand when, you know, this is like some Bible say Jacob's ladder or stairway to heaven. And I think like Wayne and Garth. We're not worthy. We're not, you know, stairway. You guys know that movie? No? Yeah, that's what I think of. So, stairway to heaven. So, but um, in, in chapter 28, beginning in verse 10, we'll go ahead and read here. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. 
There above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called that place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. Then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey, I am taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's house. Then the Lord will be my God, and the stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. So we see, for the first time, Jacob has this encounter with God. God is continuing on his blessing that he promised Abraham, that he promised Isaac. And now we see what was said, in the, what was said uh, to Rebekah about the younger serving the older. We see Jacob being chosen by God, that he's going to be the father to continue that lineage of the Israelite people. Remember I asked you about that moment you had? Do you think this was a moment for Jacob? He'll never forget this moment. He'll never forget that God picked him in that moment. God picked him and he got to experience God's presence. He got to see the angels ascending and descending in a dream. And he made that place. He called that place a whole nother name, calling it Bethel, which means house of God. It was a moment that he never forgot. I think a lot of times we forget those moments sometimes, though. Jacob goes on as you continue to read. Jacob, Jacob experiences some tough roads. He goes to, to get his wife, and he's put through the test there to, to, to even marry the one that he wants to marry. He goes through, and Laban is the, fa- the, is the father of the, of the wives that he wants, wants, uh, wants to marry. And after he passes on, his sons want to kill Jacob. He goes through a lot and even wrestles with what some scholars would say, wrestles with God to receive another blessing from God. Sometimes those moments that we experience, they don't make sense then, but they make sense later. How many of you guys have also experienced that God, we want God to like, answer our things right now, right today. We want it all answered right now. But oftentimes, God has such a, such a bigger picture in mind that we have to wait. We have to be patient. We have to find those times and those moments where we can just wait on God. And in our culture, that is so hard to do. So, so hard to do for us to wait and just experience God. We're good at doing We're really bad at waiting. Do you guys agree? 
We're really good at doing, but we're bad at waiting. I'm bad at waiting. I can't tell you, I think a lot of times I'm studying this message more for me of God saying, you need to slow down. You need to spend time with me. You need to wait on me. Because those are the moments that we experience God. Those are the moments that he speaks to us. Not that he can't do it when we're doing. He does that as well. But so many times, we're too busy doing, we're not focusing on what God has for us. So I want to ask you these questions now, okay? It's time to get your phones, okay? So I want to focus on, so Jacob, Jacob has this dream, okay? Now, how many guys, this is a question, you can say yes or no, text it to me. Do you believe that God still speaks? Yes or no? Does God still speak? I'll give you a second. Yes or no? All right, I'm getting some. Yes, yes, yes. It's okay if you say no. I'd be curious as to why. But it's okay if you do. All right, a bunch of yeses. I'm going to spam you all later, you know that. <laughs> like, I'm going to send you verses after verses all day long. <laughs> all right, most of us agree that God still does speak. Now, text me an example, something that you've experienced, the way that God has spoken to you. And it's blowing up right now. All right. Somebody put their name. All right, thank you. <laughs> this is awesome. You guys can't see this, can you? You wish you could. So, yes, but really quiet. That's a good answer. That's a good answer. God listens, but really quiet. Through a dream, just like, just like Jacob. Have any of you guys had somebody speak to you like Warwick Shenton spoke to me? They spoke to you just kind of out of the blue. Maybe it was somebody that was praying over you. Music, yeah. Waking up with absolute certainty. That's good. Knowing that God has saved us. Strong impression. The actions on my life. Through his word. These are all good. Thank you for doing that. Now I want to ask you one more question. Do you believe God's promises? Do you believe that he has awesome plans for you? Do you guys believe that? Yes? That's cool. He brought me to Great Oaks to learn his message. That's awesome. I guess maybe you found Jesus here. That's awesome. Through life challenges. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Is that okay if I was reading these out? It's just cool to hear. We don't get to hear this much, do we? We don't get to hear how people are impacted by God. It's encouraging to me because sometimes I feel like we don't hear any of that. We're so busy trying to get through church sometimes or trying to get through whatever life has that we don't get to hear these things that God still speaks. He still speaks to us. And his promises are true as much today as they were back then. And so I want to go through here. Yeah. These are good, man. I'm going to hold on to these forever. I'm going to text you all these answers. Okay? 
I'm going to share them with the staff, too, because I think a lot of times we don't, as staff, sometimes we don't hear what God's doing in your guy's life, and that's encouraging. I want to, I want to go back to my, um, my, pro, my, my time that Warwick spoke over my life. And um, in my church, we would call it prophecy. He prophesied. God spoke through him a word that was for me. It was an encouraging word. It was an uplifting word. And I want, to, I, want to, I want to tie this together. Jacob got to experience what God's promise was to a small degree. He had 12 sons. He was named, his, when he had that wrestling match with God, God changed his name to Israel. The nation of Israel, he became the founding father's name that that nation adapted. The 12 tribes of Israel came out of Isaac's and, and through his family. I mean, Jacob, I'm sorry, Jacob. Keep saying Isaac, sorry. But Jacob. And I want to go back to, to my story. That guy spoke into my life. He, te- he told me that I was going to take an unorthodox path to where God wants me to be. I didn't understand all of it. I knew I was supposed to go on ace teams. College wasn't right for me at that moment. But ace teams was. Ace teams was a hard experience. It was five 18, 19-year-olds on a team going and serve, to serve local churches. You talk about difficult. Man, that was hard. But it was a learning experience that I had. You know, you had, it was just hard because you have five personalities trying to do ministry together. That's always a huge learning curve, to, to learn that together. And we went to three or four different churches in the state of Illinois, and we just served. Whatever the church wanted us to do, children's programs, worship, youth programs. One church we went to in Ottawa, all we did was clean the church. That's all we did. But you know what? It's humbling. It's service. We were serving the church in a small capacity, but it was a needed capacity. Very needed capacity. So, I'm done with ace teams. I have to admit, at that time in my life, I was so glad to be done with ace teams. But looking back, I learned a lot of things. What happened is I came off ACE teams. My dad works at State Farm, and I had applied to work at State Farm. But in the meantime, I ended up going back to Lindy's in Washington, which I'm a big fan of, you know. Uh, Washington and Lindy's. No offense, Metamore people. No offense. (laughs) But I went back there and worked as a, a manager, the store manager, for a few months. And then I got hired on at State Farm in an entry level position. I was in that entry-level position for a year. And within six months, I had, God did this. God let me find favor with two guys in the, in the department. There's a department, about 120 people. Um, he let me find favor with them. I became the, the department uh, tech guy, you know, computer support. Here I am, you know. That's what I did. I went around a desk, and mainly it was password resets. How many of you guys call Caterpillar? I need my password reset. That was the most common one, of course. But but they looked out for me, and, and eventually they even helped me find another job in the, the systems area at State Farm that a non-degreed individual shouldn't have. God let me find favor there that I never expected. And it was awesome to be able to be a part of that and to learn those systems. It helped me really grow up and to learn that. But I remember the, the day that I walked in 
to, to the office, and we had uh, four cubicles with the, the round table so we could all meet and also work together. And I put my hand on the cubicle wall, and just God spoke clearly. It was about three and a half years later, after I've been working there, God spoke clearly and says, okay, your time here is done. I don't understand why, but God, it was time for me to be done. I'd already been feeling a leading to go over to Faith Christian Center and talk to the pastor over there about helping them out with their church website. And uh, I did that, and two weeks later, we're sitting at the table, and he's like, do you feel what I feel? And I'm like, yeah. He says, you need to come work here. God's called you to be here. And I start crying. I'm a crier. So, um, and God led me there. Spent five years there. And then it was time for me to move from there. And then, yet again, I ran into a couple here at church over at Northwoods. We were in a, we were in a bit of a, a undecisive moment again. And again, God opened up that door for me to come and be here at Great Oaks. Don't tell me that God doesn't have plans for us. Because he does. It doesn't make sense. And, and looking back when I got that prophecy from Warwick, I didn't understand it. But as I look back, God took me on an unorthodox path to get me where I am today. It's rung true. It's been faithful. He's been faithful to me. Now, college is still important. Put this out there. I have been going to college. Uh, I, I, I did... Through when I was at Faith Christian Center, they had certification programs um, through the Assemblies of God that I did those. But as I've been here also at, at Great Oaks, from the day I started, I've been going back to school. And I'm, I will finish that in about two years. It's still important because I want my kids to know that that's important. I want to have that for them so that they do that. But I can't deny the fact either that God opened up all those doors. Just like he did for Jacob. Even though Jacob did things kind of shadily. You know, look at the Bible sometimes like going, man, God, how can he use this? Because it seems so wrong. Rebecca's tricking her husband and Jacob's stealing his brother's stuff. It's like, God, how, how do you use this? But God still does. We're still people. We still make mistakes. I make mistakes. But God still uses us. God still blesses us. We don't deserve it, but he does. And so, when I look back at Jacob, I came down to four things when we look at that verse. And here's the last, the last slide, Dan. We need to do these things. Whatever it is, whatever those things were that were maybe deciding moments in your life, maybe, to, maybe there are things that God spoke into you that you need to hold on to, here's what we need to do. Here's what Jacob did. We need to embrace God's promises. I embrace that, that, that uh, prophecy that work set over my life. I haven't forgotten it to this day, and I won't forget it until I'm dead. Because it meant that much to me. What God said to me, it meant that much. I'm going to embrace that and hold on to that, because I know that God's not finished with me yet. We need to recognize God's greatness. You know, Jacob wakes up like, oh man, God's in this place. I am how many guys, if God just showed up, would you be a little scared? I'd be a little scared. I'd be a little fearful. But we'd also be amazed at who he is. 
the love that he has for us, the grace that he has for us, he's amazing. And then we need to remember what God has done. We need to never forget. You know, on September 11th, that slogan came up, we will never forget. We never need to forget what God has also done for us. He died for us. He paid the price for us so that we can be with him in eternity one day. But while here on earth, we can also experience his presence day in and day out if we spend the time with him. And then finally, we need to accept God's direction and give back. When God says go, we need to go. When he says move, we need to move. When he says do, we need to do. And when he says be still, we need to listen and be still. He's a fantastic God. And I know that there's those marking moments in our life that we'll never forget. He's a good God. Let's just take a moment and let's just thank God in your own way for what he's done in your life. If you don't know God, um, we have a prayer room just right outside these doors where you can come talk to me after service. I'd like to talk to you because Jesus will never fail us. And let's embrace his promises. Let's recognize his greatness. Let's always remember what he's done. And let's go where he wants us to go. And let us not be stingent on our giving. Let's always give back. Let's take a moment here and thank God for that. Just to yourself, quietly, thank God. Lord, I am. Just thank you for your goodness to us. I thank you for your promises. I thank you that you speak to us. God, help us to hear you daily. Help us to also be aware of others. To listen to what you'd have us to say, to speak, to lead others. God, help us never forget what you've done in our lives. You're a good and gracious God, and we just give you praise. All the praise is yours, and you do it all, Lord. You're just amazing. I thank you for the opportunity to be able to share, and God, I thank you for all the awesome things you've done in my life. You alone are worthy. And it's all because of you, Lord, that we're able to be a part of this church, to be a part of this world. It's all because of you, Lord, that we're able to come to you. It's all because of you that we know that we have that assurance, that we can wake up each day 
and say, I know where I'm going if I were to die today. And if I don't, I know he's coming back soon. And I look forward to that. Lord, thank you. Thank you for all you do. In your name, Lord, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for letting me speak to you guys today. Let's go ahead and stand. We'll sing one more song together. And then we'll be done. All right.